Hey everyone, this is Pastor Lansing Lee coming to you live from <laughs> Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, we are going to do the Wednesday night Kingdom 101 relationships. It's going to be fun I'm coming from the hotel room, so talking kind of low. <laughs> but let's get started, shall we? Father, we praise you and we thank you for tonight. I thank you for the power of your word and I thank you for the power of testimony. I thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, and the message that you want to relay to us tonight about intimacy with you. Open your word to us. Open your scriptures. We are here to hear you, and I submit myself to you to be the vessel that you speak through. I pray that it's accurate, that it touches our hearts and brings us into the relationship with you that opens up vistas for us, opens up everything, and I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, as I said, I am sitting in the hotel room and my daughter is going to be, is the maid of honor for one of her friends from college's wedding. So that's why we're out of town. It was a long travel day, but it's really interesting because I got two opportunities to, to pray with and pray for people. The, <laughs> the first woman got sick on the, um, the airplane and had to use those bags they're always talking about. And so I'm just here to tell you, you can wear a mask on an airplane if you want to, but it does not, uh, it doesn't hide the stench. So, but at any rate, she was going through all kinds of stuff and I was able to speak peace and lay hands on her, just very, fingers really very briefly, she allowed that. And so I knew I was in the right place at the right time. The other one was a, um, uh, a woman who serves in the United States military, and she was experiencing what she called hot flashes. And I told her, you know, you don't actually have to have those. And I guess her mother had been speaking to her about the same thing. So she, again, I was allowed to pray over her on the on the airplane. And I did notice that her temperature started to go down. I told her, you know what, this is what the Lord is saying. Expect miracles. Expect this thing to leave. You're serving our country, and you're doing an excellent job. And you shouldn't have to go through that. So when she found out that she had a choice, she made the choice not to continue with hot flashes. And I think that those are victory stories. So what we're going to talk about kind of somewhat briefly tonight, because I'm, I'm not jet lagged, but I should go to bed. It's two hours ahead of my normal time. But I want to pick up on talking about the pleasure of the king. We've been talking in Kingdom 101 relationships for the last five or six sessions, I think it is, about the relationship with God and the relationship with ourselves and how if you you have one leads to the other, but it's intimacy we're talking about, not just being related by way of, of uh, I'm born from above or I'm born again, but actually walking in the relationship, walking in the um, the quality of it and having opportunity to really speak to the Father and hear what he is that he has to say to us as well. And so what we're going to do is probably pull from some of what we've been talking about recently. I still have the same notes. You can use the same notes over and over and, and still get different types of understanding from them. And one of the things we had talked about, I really want, also want to go back to gratitude uh, in this season of what they call the holidays or the holy day season where it's supposed to be uh, an acknowledgement or a celebration of the birth of Jesus, though I know all you Bible scholars are aware he was not actually born during this time. Nevertheless, it is about that. It's about the fact that whatever day Christ was born, it is Christmas. Or it is the, it's the celebration of the Christ child. And the, but we, of course, celebrate the resurrected Lord. What do you think? When it comes to all this, I, I don't know about you, but honestly, as far as the it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas kind of stuff, I don't know that I really noticed it. I have had so many different things happen over the last six or seven months that it felt like the year itself was stretched out. And listening or looking or seeing all the different things. I've spent probably more time praying for people, thinking about individuals that are missing their parents for the first time 
uh, because people have died, parents, friends, spouses. There's a lot of people that uh, every single day, of course, somebody is dying somewhere. And yet now more so than ever, it's affected people that I know. I've always read about the tragedies or you hear about the things and this person died tragically or this happened or that. But most of the time it doesn't touch us. And so we hear about it from afar, but more and more of our acquaintances, our friends and, and family and all that, you know, people are talking about this person died, that person died, this one is sick, um, cancers and, and uh, flus and, and um, complications from surgery, all kinds of reasons, sudden deaths, accidents. I think that many who have looked at this plague uh, some call it a pandemic. It's a plague, which means that there's a biblical power to remove it uh, from bodies. You can speak to those spirits and you can speak to those things and you can uh, uh, people get healed a lot faster than, you know, and more people are healed of, of, of these things than you actually hear about because the, the spirit of fear is not interested in sharing anything that would be a victory over it. It won't you won't hear the stories about people coming back miraculously, about the hand of God touching them or the power of the word of God being released. You don't hear those stories because it doesn't stir up fear. And the whole point of, of any kind of um, demonic control, I'm not talking about people, I'm not talking politics, I'm not talking any of that. But what I want to say is when the spirit of fear or any demonic type of spirit is wanting to run things, to intimidate you, to uh, to to, run, to, to cause you to back up, to, to get you to be nervous and anxious about anything. And it can come from many different sources, finances, excuse me, relationships, um, uh, job security, uh, the health of a family member or your own personal health. But there are so many different onslaughts, attacks against the people of God, against the people of this earth. But when we, we basically attack back or take authority, exercise the authority of the kingdom over it. You're not going to hear as many of those stories unless you happen to be a witness and you tell it. So tell the stories, give the testimonies, tell about what the Lord has done. Talk about how Jesus and his blood and his name has authority and power when we release it into the earth over every sin, sickness, and disease. So at any rate, uh, that, that was, uh, kind of a segue, I am going to get back into talking about the blood of Jesus prayerfully this week as well. But what the main thing is fear and torment and sickness and disease do not like to parade the, uh, the, the losses that they experience at the hand or at the release of the word and the power of God. It's important that you don't say the things that the world says, don't adopt their terminology. Don't adopt their thinking processes. Think like Jesus. Let his mind, scripture tells you, let this mind dwell in you. Let this mind be in you. Let the word of God abide in you, richly dwell in you, change you. Because when we say the things that the Lord says, when we say what Father says, we see the results of heaven triumphing over the works of darkness. Now, you may be one that says, well, I don't know if I'm sick, then I guess it's the Lord's will. No, it's not. And, and, and the reason that I can say that with authority is because there was no point in sending Jesus if it was the will of God for you to, for some to be sick and some not to be sick. Well, sister, what about the scripture that says that he could only heal so many? You're missing the point, beloved. He did heal. There were those that walked in unbelief. There were those that did not want him to change their circumstances. You know, in 21st century, that's people who don't want you to take their government check. They don't want to have an actual uh, health benefit if it means that their disability is going to go away. So you got to kind of look at some of those things and realize that everything is not the way the world says it is. It's just that's the way that people like to present things because their thinking is warped. They don't hear what God is saying. So uh, Bible studies such as this, Kingdom 101 Relationships, we're talking about the relationships that God has ordained, sanctioned, and, and, and leads us in 
to bring us to those places of peace and power and authority and rest and love and all of the different things that he has, even in the midst of people dying. And you say, well, if God cared, then why did this one die? I could not answer those questions unless I had had a conversation with the person before they passed. Everybody passes. You know, we were born and yes, people die every day. If we look at it as a punishment from God, then I can understand people being upset. But you got to remember that the Bible lets us know that uh, we are apt when we who belong to Jesus are absent from the body. We are present with the Lord and that the physical body is only one part or a third of the whole of who you are. You are spirit living in with a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and you live in this body, this tent that I think the Apostle Paul, he said, I will shortly have to put off this tent, but the spirit man, the spirit man abides. You see, that's what we are. We are spirit. And and so I'm going to have the rest of this teaching, it's going to uh, focus on spirit. When we look at the word of God, his word is spirit, his words are life. And they go into our spirit and and uh, coming from the place of the already uh, done, if you will, coming from the place of the it is finished. And it is the things that God has accomplished and God desires for us that many times we miss out on because we don't engage in relationship with him to hear what he has to say. And that's, again, here we are back to the beginning. Very good place to start. So, does God have the relationship with you that he wants? Now, I've been asking this question from the, to myself and off, on, on inviting everybody else to join in. Does God have the relationship with me that he wants? That's the question. And now I'm asking you, does he have it? Has there been a change over the last few weeks of assuming that you have been listening to these classes, taking your notes, and then going back and having a conversation with the father? Does he have the relationship with you that he wants. Do you have a better relationship with God or have you pursued it at all? Because the invite, if you're waiting for an invitation, I'm, I had the poster child today to tell you that this is your divine invitation, that God wants to talk to you. He would love to get to know you better or let you have the opportunity to get to know you better by getting to know him. So do you have, have you, I'm testing you now, do you have, um, a passionate, all-consuming love relationship with him. Does he have that relationship with you? You see, on his side, it is all-consuming. He absolutely loves us to life, loves us eternally. And I think that's a, a very powerful statement. God, we have eternal love, and it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through the Father. It is through the Holy Spirit. We are loved by God, truly loved by God. But the question is, do does he have that passionate, all-consuming lover relationship with you that he desires to have. Uh, I can say, since I have been teaching this, that over the last couple of weeks, things have been changing tremendously. And that he does, I, I would say, I don't think it's at the level of what he knows he's capable of and that he he's capable of drawing out of me. But I will say that the temperature has been rising and that from the time, uh, it's been two weeks now, I guess, that I found out that I could embrace him during worship, that I could actually put my arms around the Lord and he would receive that. That that has been something that I've sought after and done. I really do that because I now know that he loves me and, and that lover to lover, a lover of God is going to embrace God just as much as God embraces those that he loves. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out last week's teaching because we did talk about that. Well, I shared some things about that. And yes, it's intimate. And yes, it's raw. And yes, it does indeed uh, insult the religious mind, which thinks, how dare you think that you can touch him and so forth. But I'm talking spirit to spirit. And I'm talking about what the king desires. Remember Psalm 45, 11, that the king is your husband. Do what he desires. And that's in the uh, contemporary English version. It reads differently in some of the others. But that 
scripture captured my heart. So let's look at some of the other ones and see um, what, how you can start to talk to him to let him answer these questions for you. I'm not trying to just answer according to the top of my head, but it's the, the changes that he has brought. Uh, you know, I was flying on the uh, one of the planes today when we were flying out of uh, Dallas and flying into Memphis. And uh, I was, there were some questions that I had that I have had, uh, comp- it's been complicated for me. It's been like, Lord, I don't know that I actually heard you say these things. Where can I find this concerning my life in your word? Is there something in the scriptures that actually speaks to what what I believe that I'm hearing or I think that I'm hearing or should I not be hearing? And so it, it, it always things pertaining to the future, things pertaining to his desires for you. Things that align with Jeremiah 29, 11, God said, I know the plans that I have for you. And I think it's uh, possibly the message translation that says, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm thinking. I know how to get these things done. This is the way that God talks. He's like, he's never at a loss. He's never sitting there going, well, I, I, I'm going to have to think about this and try to figure out the best way to do something. That's not how he that's not his way you see and that's part of the relationship with him is that you can speak with authority on certain of his ways because not just because you see it in the word but because you brought what you saw in the word to him and said can you tell me more about this what i'm doing too is giving you some of the ways that you can go back to him and and open up a conversation or listen or just be quiet if he's wanting to talk because you've been doing a lot of yammering. But never ever doubt for a moment that the king creator of the universe, king of kings, Lord of lords, he wants to talk to you. He wants to engage in relationship with you. You have to take that by faith, but don't use yours. Use his. You know, uh, Galatians 2, it talks about how we have been crucified with Christ. And so it's no longer us, we who live, but it's Christ that lives in us. But the scripture also says, and let's go ahead and go over there. Uh, the scripture says, in, and I guess I'll just, I'll do both, okay? Um, but Galatians 2, and I'm going to look at about verse 17. It says, if we are those who desire to be saved from our sins through our union with the anointed one. Does that mean that our Messiah promotes our sins if we still acknowledge that we're sinners? And of course, it's like, no, he never promotes sin. He came to destroy the works of darkness. He does not promote sin. But sometimes religious minds are people that don't want to change, but they don't want to voluntarily change. They just want God to change them. So, you know, it's like, I don't want to do anything. I just, if he wants me changed, he'll change me. If he doesn't, he'll leave me alone. No, it doesn't work that way. In the kingdom, everything is about choices. It's about the decision to obey the king. It's about the decision to follow after him. It's about the decision to listen to him, to hearken to him, to obey him. Obedience is the key. It really is the key. And I, I, I marvel at the fact that I will tell you that when I spent so many years walking in willful disobedience and ignorant uh, to the fact that I was disobedient to the Lord. And I walked in because an independent spirit thinks, well, I can just do what I want to do. Well, you can do what you want to do, but some of what you want to do, you shouldn't do. And the Bible says all things are lawful for us. They're permissible, but I'm not going to. But some things bring you under their power and they're things that are designed to destroy you. And so you want to really look at what it is that you want to do. And is it something that the spirit of the Lord, if he really is your Lord, if he really is your king, the things that he smiles at and the things that he does not, the things that grieve him, the things that cause you to be further away from him instead of drawn closer to him. Do you want to be drawn near to him? And let me throw this one out because I think this is a good question to answer even if you think about about it uh, on the Facebook page. What does it mean to you to be a lover of God? Are we thinking it's just your emotions toward him? Or are we talking about actually being his lover, being in an intimate, loving relationship with him? Uh, again, the world has a narrow way of looking at things. So when I say lover, uh, 
many people will attribute it to a physical or sexual relationship, and that's one type of lover. But you know, you can be a lover of chocolate <laughs> or bacon. Okay, just thought I'd throw those out there. You can be a lover of books or a lover of sports or movies or a lover of spending time with other people. See, we use these terms very loosely without maybe going on the journey to find out really what we're saying. A lover of God is one that is a fan, a fangirl, a fanboy, if you will. I love him. I love everything about him. I love the way he talks. I love the way he does things. I love the way he rescues. I love the way he heals. I love the way he turns situations around. I love the way he's affected my heart. I love the way he's changing the way I think. I love this about the Lord. I do. I love him. I love how he loves me. He, is, he has a way with me. You know, he can be uh, strict. Yes, absolutely. When he's giving direction, but he's always gentle and he's always kind. Even, and the other thing, he's direct, very direct. I, I like direct. I don't like tiptoeing around and pretending and playing games. That's not, that's a waste of time to me. But the fact that he just has such a smooth way of talking, because I'm, I'm, I'm good for a good line. I like when somebody says something that just has me sitting back like, what? Are you kidding? Oh, you say that. I love the way you say that. I love the way he lights me up from the inside. I love the way he can whisper sweet somethings into my ear. I love the way he quiets my spirit. And I love the way he gently leads me, holds my hand. I can walk with him hand in hand, you know, and I love how he calms me down when I get fretful or anxious. He'll give me a, a little thing there. He'll just say, hey, you need to go take communion or you need to, because uh, the sickness or disease is trying to come on you. And I, I tend to stay very healthy these days and I fight for this, but he'll tell me, go take communion and I will obey him. I'll go take it. And it's like whatever the, the thing was that I felt that was trying to come on my body, by the time I'm finished with the communion, it's gone. It is gone. It has happened to me so often. And I have come to expect it, that when I take communion, which I'll teach this more in the blood of Jesus, but but when I take communion, huh, his blood, his name, his word, his power, it's like him being my protector, my bodyguard. The one that shows up and lets all of those that were trying to attack me or thinking that they were going to take advantage of me. And he shows up and lets it be known. That one, that girl, that woman, that that's my baby. You, you don't mess with her. You come through me. And nobody can get through him. So it's just, how can you not? I love how he is with me. What do you love about him? Do you love the way that God is with you? How is he with you? Without being long on um, emptiness. What do I mean by that? Sometimes I listen to people so-called give a testimony. They don't want to give you the heart of it. They want to gloss over it. Well, you know, he does this and he does that. But we don't know that he rescued your little skanky self out of a, uh, out of a dirty situation. Uh, and, and cleaned you up and turned it around because you won't tell us that. You'll tell us, well, you know, I was in this kind of situation in the Lord. It's like, listen, if you're going to tell it, tell it. You don't have to give us chapter verse details, but give us enough that we're like, wow, I can identify with that. I can relate to that. I can use that. I can share that part of that testimony with somebody else because I know somebody that's in such a such a place. You know, I don't have, I had a lot of dirt in my in my past. I had a lot of uh, horrible things that I did, as well as things that were done to me. And the way that I thought, I, I had a devaluate, a devaluating mindset. And so constantly, constantly, and again, we're not going where I thought we were going to go, but here we go. <laughs> um, I would constantly find a way to demean myself. It's like, well, this is what... Um, you know, God does wonderful things for these people, but not for one such as me, uh, because I was once upon a time involved with another woman's husband. Um, 
I was that other woman. Uh, I was actually the 27th of many. He had a lot of them, but eventually I became so-called the girlfriend. You know, you can sit here in the kingdom and you can look at that and just shake your head. But do you know, you see, there was a time in my life I thought that that was something to ascribe to. Why? Because I did not trust men enough to want to marry one. And uh, strangely enough, how's this for logic? I was involved with a married man who cheated on his wife. And because I knew he cheated on his wife, he was a reason. He was the perfect example of the type of man I would never want to marry. He was safe as a boyfriend because he wasn't going to divorce his wife from me. And uh, I already knew he cheated, so I didn't have to trust him. Can you see how twisted that is in terms of thinking? But I actually believed that it was better to be involved with a married man because I didn't have any danger of him uh, cheating on me. He was cheating on his wife. <laughs> Boggles the mind to think about it now. But that's what we mean by a deranged or a dirty way of thinking. But the Lord, you know, when I came into, I, I was not born from above at that time. And shortly thereafter, um, I think during that season, after that boyfriend was removed from the, the scene. And I think that that was, uh, actually I met the man about a year or so after he just disappeared from my life. And he told me, now this is twisted, you gotta get this, that he had to leave me because he was starting to care for me more than he was caring for his wife. He didn't care for his wife. Can you get that? He didn't care for me either. What he was really saying was that the way that he, his own emotions, his own lust, whatever it was, maybe was taking him some places he didn't want to go. I just realized I've got these earrings on um, and I have this headset in my ear too. So I'm going to do us a favor here and just take these out of my ear. I'm sorry. Um, but I know it can get to be annoying. So prayerfully, you're still hearing me okay. At least it matches the outfit tonight. All right. Um, this is the kind of thinking and logic that goes on in the world that you can be in danger. You would say, well, no, I would never. I, I think that that's terrible. And I think this and I think that. I, I get that. I understand perfectly that you do. But what is it that the world says, the way the world believes about sickness and disease, the way the world talks about sin or, or shies away from it, the way the world says that you're judging them if you call them on something. Do you agree with any of that? Do you listen to a minister such as myself, a, a, an apostle, a prophet, or an evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, a Bible uh, study type of thing, when they point out something that you're actually doing, do you feel like you're being attacked? And do you feel as though these people are judging you? Because it's not true. The word of God has already, sin has already been judged, okay? It has already been judged. So the behaviors that we do that have already been judged and, and condemned as sin, you have walked into the judgment as opposed to somebody judging you. Do you understand what I mean? You've partnered with something that has already been condemned. You've partnered with something that God has already said, it's, it's not a part of the kingdom. And so you have entered into relationship with a behavior or a, a lifestyle or whatever you want to call it that is opposed to the ways of God. It's the, you've embraced darkness instead of light. That's what we find ourselves in on occasion. Those are the type of things that he's saying, come out of there, come away from that. I want to, I want to, love you out of it. And I want to get you cleaned up, you know, cleansed of, of, of these defilements of your soul. And it was many years ago, the story that I just shared with you about this married man. Uh, today, of course, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with it. But can I tell you something? When later years when I did marry, and I, I don't think I ever thought about my former husband, um, ever cheating on me, nor to my knowledge, did he ever. And I would, anybody that says he did, unless he said it, they would be lying. And I don't think he said it. He wasn't that type of person. He's still, to my, he's not that type of man. But what I do know is that at the 
time, towards the time that our marriage was over and he was starting to um, seek new companionship or whatever, I felt the guilt of the days of the promiscuity. And I actually thought that the failure of my marriage was a punishment from God because of how I had helped another man to cheat on his wife. So I felt, I really thought that my failed marriage was a judgment from God because of my sin. I did not understand in that time. And I was born again, but I did not understand the power of forgiveness. And I did not understand that what I did in the days before Jesus was my Lord, I had been forgiven at the time that I came in. My sins have been forgiven, but I believed, and I don't know, somebody out here, you must be, I must be talking to somebody that you really think that you're being judged by God for a sin that you committed when you didn't even know him or a sin that you committed in your early days or in your fall away days as a Christian. And you think he's punishing you today with certain situations in your life because of what you did. But that isn't true. You see, because that would nullify the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The remedy for sin is the blood, is, is, is what Jesus has done. And what you and I do is we appropriate, we go back to the Lord. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that's what Jesus uh, what was said. This is what Jesus paid the price for. So God, the, the righteousness is not of us. It's of Jesus. And when we receive what Jesus has done, and this is elementary, but sometimes it's interesting that we don't apply the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of God into every area of our lives. God does not punish you for your sin. Jesus took the punishment for our sin. Our responsibility is to receive what he did and to let that forgiveness enter in and cleanse our mind. This is why you can't keep the mind you've got. You've got to take on the mind of Christ because this human mind is crazy, honey. It'll take you into beliefs that are so far from what God has actually said. And let me go ahead and go further. This is all still talking about relationship and what pleases the king. Um, I also during that, see, uh, even before the, the, the married boyfriend, um, I probably was around 17 or 18 years of age and I got pregnant. And I've, I think I've shared this before, but maybe not this particular part of the story. So I was about 17, 18, 19 years old at the most. And I got pregnant and I was ashamed. But um, I thought, oh, because I, I was one of those people and I still have to um, temper that, submit this aspect of my character to God, I, I constantly will watch to make sure, am I being impulsive? Because what I would do is I would say, oh, I know it's wrong. I judged it. I've made a decision and this is what's going to be. And I wouldn't give any, there was no discussion. I would just jump right to it. This is the way it's going to be. And most of the time it was just really wrong. But I just decided, well, I guess it must be an abortion. That's the only remedy because you're pregnant and you're not going to marry that guy and you're not going to have this baby. And I didn't know that I had other choices. I was actually ashamed. I was ashamed um, as far as like my grandmother was concerned or my mom was concerned. And I didn't want my grandmother to know. And my mother, I kind of told it like, yes, I'm pregnant and I'm going to have an abortion. It was, I actually got my sister to say it. And it wasn't, we weren't, none of us were in Christ. None of us were walking with the Lord and we were living a worldly life where abortion is sometimes a remedy. Well, I did not know in that season and in, in the time in which this all happened that the way that they did the things they did, it was scar tissue on the womb. And therefore, after I married, now I'm in Jesus. Now I'm born from above. Now I'm living the good Christian life and all that. And we had two of our sons that did not make it out. One was stillborn and the other um, 
Uh, the other, he was, he just prematurely um, aborted, self-aborted, if you will. So my womb, to me, became a very dangerous place. And what I was tormented, I've shared this, uh, elements of this. From the time that I became a Christian, I became tormented by the past and by the abortion that I had had. And um, I wasn't so much bothered by it at the time that I had it, though I do remember the day that I came out of that clinic that there was a darkness that came over me when I was sitting in our living room talking to a friend who had taken me to the appointment. And as we're sitting there, and I was not spiritually aware, I was not uh, walking in the in the, the kingdom or even as a Christian, I was definitely a straight up heathen. But I remember when that dark thing settled on my mind, I felt it. Even then, I felt this thing. And for those years that I um, was probably about, 10 years or eight, eight or so years before I pray, finally prayed the prayer and received Jesus truly as Lord, as saved as savior. I, I didn't know about him being Lord at that time, but, but I do recall that it was after I started going to a church where they were preaching the Bible, where they were actually preaching the truth that I started feeling tormented. I'd start being flaky. I wouldn't come to church. I would just stay at home and cry. And I would go through all the, I mean, my, my behavior was from here to here. I was extreme. Okay. I mean, really depressed or boy, just super happy, but it was all emotion. It wasn't honest. And, uh, I don't know who you are. Okay. But I'm sharing some things that are not on the agenda tonight. Uh, my agenda, but apparently they're on heavens because he, the spirit of the Lord knows who is listening. And some of it may be a woman. It may be a man who is dealing with some other type of thing, or you may have driven your girlfriend and told her, Hey, you have to have this abortion. And now all these years later, you're thinking about the fact that you allowed your child to be, you know, uh, offered up on a, on a demonic altar. All this kind of stuff is going on because the spirit of love and truth, spirit of God, abortion is on the decline. I'm here to tell you, but I'm going to talk to those of you that are now in Christ Jesus that have experienced these different things. And you think that God is punishing you because you were on the side of Satan. And when you didn't even know God or you did not walk with him, you did not have relationship with him, but he is offering relationship to you now, knowing everything about your past, my past or whoever's past it is. Because the blood of Jesus really does answer. It really speaks up on our behalf. And I'll, again, go into more of that in the other teaching. But here's what I want to say. Want, it's time for you. The Spirit of the Lord is calling you and saying, come and receive your forgiveness. Come and receive the love that I have for you. Come and receive, come in, into the place that I have set aside for you because you are forgiven. And I'll tell you something else. I know this by the spirit of God. And because I had an encounter once with it. the child that was aborted or the children do not hold it against you either. You are forgiven and it's time for you to receive and to give that to yourself as well and stop uh, cursing yourself for a decision that you made many years ago in ignorance. What is ignorance? It's darkness. There was no light of truth that was shed on you in that hour of your life, in that season. So it is time. I believe that God is saying to, to many of us right now, whether it was a financial transaction that didn't go well, it was a relationship that you got involved with and it, it and you sacrificed your, your connection to God for this person. Um, you traded away this or you did that. I mean, it's so many different things that people all over the planet, you all are hurting and you're hurting because you think that God is mad at you and God is not mad. He sent Jesus so that you could be cleansed and forgiven, receive the forgiveness. This is not about, and then comes repentance because repentance is about changing how you think 
changing, letting your thoughts be changed from the way that the world thinks that God is angry. God doesn't like me. God's looking for a reason to strike me down with lightning. God's going to kill our babies. God's going to take all of our money. God doesn't want us to, because you're so bad with finances. God doesn't want you to have any. You see, we've got a lot of squirrely teaching that we need to apologize for and we need to fix it because we have led many of us in ministry in our ignorance, we passed it on to you. And uh, when we come into the true light as he is the light, meaning Jesus is the light, then we have got to shed that on you and let you know we taught it wrong. We did not know what we were talking about. We got it from tradition and we passed it on like a holiday fruitcake. Some of y'all like fruitcake. I'm not in your number. Okay. But you know, a holiday fruitcake or something that's just been passed and passed and passed and passed and we'll still keep passing on it. But it, it somebody always has it and they got to decide, do I take it? Do I keep it? What do I do with it? Right? Well, I'm telling you that a lie is a lie and it is never the truth. It said, well, it's got elements of truth in it. It's still a lie. You only extract the truth and you throw all that other nonsense away. And if anybody has told you, you deserve to be punished because of the sins of your past. I agree. You do deserve to. But because of Jesus, you don't have to be. God is not schizophrenic. He doesn't have two minds. He has one, one mind, one single mind. And he is all about restoration, sonship connection, walking us walking according to the pattern and allowing what he sent his son to do, to land upon us and work within our hearts, to bring us to that place that we walk in the power of forgiveness. You see, there is power in forgiving others, but there is power in receiving the forgiveness of God that gets you out of a deranged mindset and a crazy way of thinking and you stop looking at things like rejection and sadness and sorrow as your constant companions because he does not intend for that to be your life. So there, I, if nobody ever told you, this lady in pink told you tonight, I am telling you, I, I, like I said, I aborted a child. Oh my God. And I'm so anti-abortion. And you can just hear those people. Well, you're such a hypocrite. I mean, here, how, how can you go and do such a thing? And then have the nerve to say what you say. Because what I did without Jesus, I recognize the compassion of the Lord to say, they don't know what they're doing. They think that they know. They, they're duped into believing a certain way. And I thought the same way. But when you come out of crazy, when you come out of 5150 and you come into the, the, the John 316 and, and, the, and the Romans 8, 1 and 2, and he who the son is set free, which is in John, is free indeed and all the rest of that stuff. When you come out of the world and into the kingdom of God's dear son, everything is different here. It's not the same. You can't hold my sin against me when God doesn't. I mean, you can try if you want to, but God does not. And therefore my conscience is clear. Why? Because all of those evil things that I did, the blood of Jesus has washed it away. God offered me forgiveness and I finally took it. And once you touch that scepter that is extended to you to bring you out of the crazy, to bring you out of the depressed, to bring you out of the deeds of the past or the sins of the fathers and on and on and on it goes. Let me tell you something. If you're going to major on anything, don't major on your past. Major on your deliverer. Major on Jesus. Major on what he has done for you that writes all the wrongs of the past, the ancestral blood things and this and that. And I deal with a lot of that. And, and some of it has to take, there's a certain degree of counseling. But I'm trying to tell you, listen, cease and desist immediately from believing that you're such a hardcore case that the things of God are not going to be able to turn your situation around. And cease and desist immediately from believing that it's going to take the next 10 years for you to come out of something when you are already talking about it and you're ready to come out. You can come out of it. He can heal it. He, he has healed it. He has forgiven you. He has sent his blood. He has done all these things. So it seems like if he's done all that, maybe our side 
is to enter into this relationship with him. This, and let me come back to it now because it's coming close to time to end. All those things we said, and yet when you come back into relationship and you learn who he is and what a lover he is and the way he is with us and how committed he is to us and how none of the things that we did surprised him whatsoever, he hurt for us. I don't know if you understand this. The Spirit of the Lord yearned for us in our darkness, yearned for us in the days when we were aborting children or sleeping, uh, having sex with any and everybody that we could, drinking ourselves to sickness and disease, popping these pills or shooting up this or doing that or doing the other, uh, lying, cursing, stealing, um, being victimized or victimizing others. All the things that we did, he grieved for us because he knew the plan and still does the plan that he had. He knew what he had in store. And he wants his prodigals to come home. He is looking for you. He's looking for you, beloved. You see it. I pray you do. I pray you do. There is forgiveness to be found through the heart of the Father God. And as one of those fivefold, it's my responsibility to let you know that. Jesus told the woman caught in, I don't know if she was in prostitution or just adultery, a married woman with a married man or whatever the story was. There are historians and Bible uh, uh, people that I can tell, can fill in all of the slots and, and I, at some point, I'd love to hear that. But here's my point. She is there in the street. And I don't doubt for a moment that they dragged her naked out of that place where she was. And that man got his opportunity to escape because those religious people were all about degrading and shaming that woman. And they dragged her naked and threw her or deposited her, whatever it was, at the feet of Jesus. The Bible tells us, you know, a lot of people have theorized because Jesus stooped down. They said this woman was caught in adultery, you know, all by herself. You know, I don't know where the man went, but she was caught. He he ran. She was caught. And um, the Bible says that Jesus stooped down and started to write. And so a lot of people go, oh, he must have written this or that. I personally think that he was just waiting to hear what the Holy Spirit wanted to do. That's my own thought about it because I have delaying tactics of my own. When I'm like, I don't know what to do yet, so I'm just going to sit quietly or I'm going to close my eyes or I'm going to hum a song or I'm going to do something until I hear or see what the Spirit of the Lord is directing. That was what Jesus always said. I don't do anything until I see it or I hear it from my Father. And so when he got the message and the men started melting away, I think the Spirit of the Lord showed up. And made his presence known. And I think that he was a protector of that woman. Not because she was innocent. But because he loved her. You see. And love covers a multitude of sins. And Jesus asked the question. Woman. Where are they that condemn you? Or where are they? You know those accusers of yours. Where are they? And uh, he said is there no. Oh, really what I think he said is. Is there no one here? And she said, there's no one, Lord. And he said, well, I don't condemn you either. (laughs) I don't condemn you either. That was the point. I was trying to find it. Um, I think it's in Mark. But anyway. um, He just said, I don't condemn you. That's the point I wanted to make. If I can find the scripture, I'll find it. But regardless of that, I need to look at another uh, version. He doesn't condemn you. So if he doesn't condemn you, why do you? Why do you condemn yourself? Why do you allow yourself to be dragged into the streets, uh, stripped of all dignity, all of your sins, all of your shame, all of the things that, that once upon a time were your history? Why do you allow it? It's like, well, it's my history as a, you know, just a few moments ago or yesterday. It's like, okay, maybe so. But do you want to be healed? Do you want to be delivered? Uh, Because if you do, here it is, John chapter 8, verse 3. It says that the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. We caught her in the very act. I mean, that's stone cold right there. 
I don't even need to uh, stretch your imagination for you to understand how stone cold that was. All right. And Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. So what do you say? I mean, come on. If you're really who you say you are, you know, according to law, this woman needs to be, we need to be picking up these uh, chunks of rock and kill this woman. And uh, this they said, tempting him. This is verse six, that they might have something to accuse him of. But Jesus stooped down and with finger wrote on the ground. It says in one, as though he didn't hear them, but this is what he did. So when they continued asking him, he lifted himself and he said to them, he that is without sin among you, let him cast first, cast the first stone. I mean, for real, pick up the rock and throw it at her. The one of you that's here that's so righteous that you are without sin. Go ahead and do that. And then he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And as they heard, they were convicted. And they went out one by one, beginning at the eldest and to the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman was standing in the midst. I don't doubt for a moment that the disciples covered her. I I believe that they brought blankets or a robe or something and covered her. They wouldn't have left her standing in front of Jesus, stripped naked. You see, that's what the love of God does. He, He has his angels. He has his word. He has his love covering you. You don't just you don't just stand condemned in front of him. That's not for us. That's not for us. And he said, woman, where are your accusers? Has no man condemned you? And she said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, this is John chapter 8, verse 11. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Go and be free. This is what you know. we think it's behavior modification. Go and be good. Don't do this again. He released a blessing and a breaking off of a demonic influence in her life. He said, go and sin no more. Be free of this sin and set her on a course where they could talk about her and even say, yeah, I remember you when you got dragged into the street. It's like, yeah, you may remember when she was dragged into the street, but she remembers what Jesus did about it. I want you to start thinking about what he has done about the scenarios that you have been in in the past. I want you to think about it again, whether you have aborted or talked somebody else into one or endorsed a co-signed with somebody else's sin, stole something from somebody, been a prostitute or a pimp or this or that or the other, a drug pusher. I mean, all those different things that you may have been. The Bible says, but such were some of you when he talks about some that were liars. Some of you were backbiters. Some of you were gossipers. Some of you were haters. Some of you were cheaters. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were liars, um, uh, whatever. I mean, come on, you know the stuff. Some of y'all was just out there hoeing like crazy. Okay. So for free, uh, some of you were out there, you know, you traded or trade away your dignity for a cigarette or for a drug. You were so brought to the, to the influence you were you were being kicked around and tormented by sin but love love rescued you because that's what he does see that's the lover that i'm talking about so i'm encouraging you in this season this christmas time season i encourage you to receive from god to go back to him and say how how because i think some of you you like, I'm grateful to be saved, but I don't want to push it. I don't want to bother him. I don't want to do anything that might have him have to look at me again. You think he looks at you through the eyes that you look at yourself through, but he does not. He looks at you through the way he made you and what he can do and how he sees you. And he looks at you as one that anticipates you giving him the opportunity to be your hero and to be your rescuer on a more personal level than he already is. I'm not endorsing sin, I don't, I don't. But I'm free of the past. I'm free of the things that I did, whether it was being involved with somebody else's husband, uh, uh, killing my own child, and a whole lot of the little dirty deeds that I did that are not coming up by the Spirit of the Lord tonight, so you don't need to hear about it. But you do need to hear that As crazy as it makes us, as tormented as we become, as hurting as we are, as rude and mean and evil as we can be to other people, as grasping and greedy as we've ever been, that there is a remedy, there is a lover, there is one that wants this relationship with you.
And then there are people who carry his spirit that will look at you and say, I don't condemn you for what you've done. You know, I've had people, this is my last point, I think. Uh, I have had people very close to me that have said horrible things about me that have uh, uh, maybe do it still. I don't know. They can gossip about you. They can uh, assassinate, shred your character. And I remember, it wasn't very long ago, that I I was sharing with some friends of mine. I said, you know, I have walked in a fear and an intimidation of of those people. What, of what they could do to me? No. No. I walked in a fear of doing anything that would give them another reason to find fault with me and thus set themselves up in danger of destruction. I don't want to be the cause of anybody else's downfall. I've contributed enough evil in my past into other people's lives. But I actually, as a minister, because people will tell, you know, others, you're not fit for your office and you're not this, they, as though they called you, which they did not. Well, people such as myself who live according to the scripture, and I do tell you, any tongues that rise up against me in judgment, my heritage as one of God's own um, will come forward. So no weapons formed against me shall prosper. Let me read that scripture to you because uh, it really is the whole thing. I don't just uh, quote, the, I, I sometimes will just quote the first part, uh, like the inferences you should know, but it says, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper and every tongue shall rise against you in judgment you shall condemn because this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And now I'm a, ser- I'm a son. This is my heritage and my righteousness is of God. So when people find fault with me or find fault, whatever the, the tense is, they're coming up against the righteousness of God. They're not coming up against me. They may be thinking they're shredding me or you or your mama or your pastor, your evangelist, your apostle, your prophet, your teacher, uh, whoever it is. Um, they may think that they're attacking you, but they're going after the righteousness of God, which means that the righteousness of God, it's not a God will retaliate. No, righteousness in and of itself. Do you understand? The standard that it sets, anything that comes against it is going to falter and fall. So I was concerned that I, just by breathing, could offend certain people and that could get them to talk, which could set them up for uh, the, the evil that they were walking in to push them back and to bring destruction. But I had to get free of that. I'll tell you why. The reason was, number one, that as long as I thought that way, then I was actually judging those people as to say, well, that's what they'll do. And so that's what will happen. And even though forgiveness had been given a very long time ago, and I choose to walk in that every single day, my thoughts were not aligned with Jesus. They were more aligned with Job because Job used to give offerings and say, in case somebody does something. And I was going, well, I don't want to do anything to stir this up. Neither one is a right position. What you do is you walk in the walk that God has called you to and you pray and you forgive and you release and you trust that the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the righteousness of God will rescue every person that wants to be your enemy. And they're really enemies of God that he will treat. He will he will do good to them and he will bring them out and bring them into the safe place. So, you see, you can't uh, you you can't. We can't. It's, it's highly recommended that we take even those thoughts that we think may be for good or for mercy and take them back to God and say, is this your version of mercy? Because what I was doing was wrong. It was an error. It was a judgment that I didn't even mean to make. And aren't I glad that I chose to walk in forgiveness in the first place? Yes, because it was like, oh, cool. All right. Well, I'm judging them and I don't mean to. And so I released them from my judgments. And I re- in the process of that, I also was released of the fear and the intimidation because those things want to choke out perfect love. And perfect love is the only love that we have to give. So prayerfully, 
that uh, makes some sense to you. I was reading Isaiah 54, 17 about the weapons. See, I have a heritage of righteousness of God, and so do you. So all of this contributes to intentional superhuman living. It's like, who then can be saved? If you, you, you can do all these different things, but you know, we were made to love. We were born from above to be able to release the love of God that is that is overtaken us, that is that is on the inside of us, that wants to be released from us and through us and to others. I will take the rest of this year, which is simply next Wednesday and the Wednesday after that, and uh, finish up because I want to talk about the pleasure of God. I, I that's just something that was there. I want to end tonight with this last little comment again about gratitude and joy and righteousness and walking in the things of God in that way. And I had taken these notes here, okay, that um, was sharing with a, a couple of friends. And we're, we, because I have friends that like to do Bible studies with me, we want to walk in this stuff, right? We want to put this into, not into practice, well, practice is a good word in this case, but I want it to begin to be lifestyle for me. I don't, I don't want to just talk about it, but we want to implement it and we want it to be a natural part, a supernatural power of who we are. So with gratitude, give thanks. Uh, on our, in our ministry, we have a Friday um, morning prayer call. We call it Thanksgiving Friday. And every uh, Friday, whoever wants to, we start giving thanks to God for all the different things that he has done. But gratitude opens up your opportunity and your ability to submit to the will of God. And when you do that, then you can start walking. In my case, it was that I was able to submit to the timing of God because God has a plan and he knows what he's doing and he knows how he's going to bring it about. And he speaks the, he speaks the end from the beginning and then you get to walk the journey. And, oh, man, is that going to be a fun thing to talk about? We'll get to it, too. Um, but timing, walking and submitting to the timing of God, being grateful and, and opening myself up to submit to and then to submit to the timing of God gives me true hope, hope that is not deferred. So it doesn't make the heart sick. Hope that is divine expectation. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So hope, hope comes before faith in this sense, because he's saying what I'm hoping, what I'm expecting God to bring. It's a it's a conviction it's what it is. I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that he will do what he said. And so it gives me peace on the inside. I'm quiet instead of striving to try to make things happen on my schedule. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. You know, time, 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 time. Well, uh, remember, God is outside of time. And in order to walk kingdom, you got to walk outside of time. You can't just dwell in it that way. But that peace on the inside opens up the faith. That is the Hebrews 11 one faith that is the substance of faith. This faith has the components, the same ingredients as my hope does. Hope sees. That's why hope expects. And so I have faith now to trust him to do it the way he wants to. And so I rest from the labors of what I was trying to make happen to listen to him and move in to that relationship with him. And let him talk to me and let him teach me about himself and let him have preeminence, preeminence in my life. And then I, because I'm rested, I am in obedience. I will obey you, Lord, because I don't want to do anything else. And that gives me eyes to see clearly what I could not see before about myself, about God, about others. And that's one of the key components, if you will, of relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with Holy Spirit. So it's Wednesday night or it's Thursday sometime when you're watching this, but I want to remind Astounding Love Bible study, we receive even the tithes and the offerings and so forth. And um, those of you that have a heart to give, the information I'm sure will be there for you to do the same. And I want to tell you, thank you so much for joining us. Now, Sunday for our Astounding Love, you all know that uh, Sunday is uh, our First Fruit Sunday. And so that'll be a wonderful celebration, which I won't be there. 
I'll, I'll be on my way home. And so I'm, I, I'm sorry that I'm going to miss uh, spending that time with you all, but I do love you very much. I also want to invite those of you, I didn't say anything tonight, but uh, last night, Tuesday night, Apostle Baker definitely did her really telling it like it is program. And she's talking about the holidays and she's talking about uh, the things that you need to know to push through and just determine I'm going to change the pattern of what I've done and I'm going to live differently. So I think what I what we said tonight, it connects to that. But I definitely encourage you to go over to the More Than Enough Ministries Facebook page and check that one out because uh, it, it just took place last night. And also, uh, for those of you that follow my page or Apostle Baker's, we will also put it up on the Facebook page. Uh, tomorrow night, 5.30 p.m., I think it's 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, I'm going to have, some, we're going to have some fun. I'm Dr. Baker, Apostle Baker, and myself are going to be guests of Apostle Michael Fram, who does a weekly broadcast. And the two of us, it's mother and daughter, and I'm sure it's going to be quite the lively conversation. So it's 5.30 Pacific Standard Time, which I have to remember because where I am, it's 7.30 Pacific Standard Time. But I invite you to tune in. Um, what happens is as soon as it goes live, I'll share it to my page. I'll share it to the Astounding Love page. And I'll share it to the More Than Enough Ministries page. So if you follow any of those, then you'll be able to connect to it and uh, just join in with us on uh, what I'm sure is going to be quite the interesting conversation. I'll be right here in this hotel room once more. And Mom will be where she is. And Apostle Fran will be where she is. Uh, he is. So the two apostles and me. Yay. So anyway, that's really all I have to say. I want to pray for you. And then um, we're going to go ahead and end it. Father, I thank you tonight. And I'm going to just open my, keep my eyes open and look. There are men and women that are either live with us or heard this on the first go around, but they're listening. You will draw them to this place to hear the words that you have to say to them, Holy Spirit. And I pray and I believe that their hearts are open to receive people that are, are even in relationships that are based on past mistakes and they're trying in some way to uh, make amends or to fix a wrong and they're doing it the wrong way. I pray and I believe that deception leaves minds and eyes, eyes that have been blind to see will suddenly see. People that have not seen themselves clearly will suddenly see. They'll see how much you love them, Lord, and they'll see that this is their day for freedom. I bless every hearer uh, of your voice speaking through me to really hear you and to have the courage and the assistance, heavenly divine assistance, to make the change that brings them out of the snare of evil and to come into the true righteousness and holiness and love and joy and peace and every other fruit of the spirit of God and of the kingdom of God. I bless you all, my beloved ones. I know that God has heard that prayer and I know that he has already answered it. Now you step up and receive what God has for you. I'm Lindsay Lee, the pastor of Astounding Love Global Church Fellowship. I'm also the author of Kingdom 101, and tonight we talked Kingdom 101 relationships. I know that you were blessed because that was the intent, and that's all we had to give you. So walk in the fullness of it, and you are graced and favored to overcome this, whatever it is that has come against you. I bless you, and I love you astoundingly, and I will see you, well, if you tune in tomorrow, I'll see you then or next week. Thank you so much. Good night.